0: the Monica Brandt show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Monica Brandt, where I have been having the honor of interviewing some of my very good friends that are legendary athletes, bodybuilders, uh, and fitness athletes here in the industry, some of the nutritional gurus, as well as the powerhouse individuals that have helped create this bodybuilding and fitness industry that we all know and love for many, many years. And today's guest is... um, None other than an amazing athlete. He's had a tremendous history uh, on stage with over 70 shows in almost two decades. Um, he's become one of the most sought after uh, nutritional trainers and coaches, prep coaches as well. He's a cover model and has had hundreds of bodybuilding magazine covers and features inside. And I actually have a few on my wall behind me as well as we actually have 13 covers together. So I can't wait to interview my good friend, longtime good friend, Amila Sarsev. So Claudia, why don't you go ahead and roll the film. <laughs> Bring him in. Hi, how are you, Milos?
1: Hi, Monica. It's been such a pleasure finally reconnecting. Hi, then, next- uh, really, uh, I mean, really, I was talking about to my wife and I was trying to explain her who you are and uh, how long do I know you? And I said, like, let me let me really go back and see what was it? It was like 1992 or 1993, which makes it you now 30 years. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, let's see.
0: First of all, I wish it was 92, 93, but I started competing in 91, but I probably met you in like 95.
1: 95 right around
0: there. Because that's when I came to California. So I, I oh. kind of got my foot in the door in 95. So almost 30 years, though.
1: Yes. Well, then I, I miscalculate something. I do know that uh, we did a number of scabbers there, there uh, 95, 96, 7, and so on. But I I thought I I met you previously, and uh, you were that uh, newcomer. There's like uh, everybody talking about. I mean, this is this is why we actually disconnect with so many covers. I don't know. I never asked the covers. Yes, it should be more. I had (laughs) no
0: idea we had thirteen. There's some definitely that you sent me that I don't have copies of, so I'm gonna have to make sure I save them because I have everything digitized. But then you know, I've got you and I. uh, Right here, I don't know if you
1: see. Yes, you? yes. Nice and I was always interested, yeah. But uh, I, I think we have many European covers that you probably never seen, you know, because the, all these pictures from photo shoots would be spread all over the world, and then uh, you many times wouldn't even know that you were on a cover. But yeah, I, I scraped up thirteen quick ones, and that's right, why when you, when you asked me, I said that's what I had.
0: <laughs> I loved it. I was like, well, they just kept coming. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So yeah. you look great. You look very healthy and fit and strong—all the things that you should be. So, congrats on keeping up with yourself. <laughs>
1: Thank you. So do you. I mean, uh, thanks. I, I don't know uh if uh, you do remember when we even start talking about all this contest preparation and, uh, and dieting. And maybe I can I can do that little intro. I, I was seeing you. Uh, in every of those photo shoots, I remember you had a, such a strict uh, diet and you would eat a little bit of chicken or fish and some vegetables and, and salads and stuff like that. Always, always. I mean, uh, we've been God knows how many times on, on the cover shoots. And uh, then uh, when you were talking to my ex-wife, who was competitor with you, Miramar right? I overheard you say things like you were doing a one hour of cardio, one hour of roller rollerblading, one hour of uh, gymnastics and then one hour of training, and I do remember at that time I was like, "Oh my God, that's a four hours of uh, physical activity." And uh, I don't know if you remember that conversation when I asked you that like, how much you eat, and then the diet that you explained was like equivalent to thirteen hundred calories. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Uh,
0: I do again because you you helped me. You helped me with uh, getting kind of you Know, like, repackaged with my nutrition and understanding it, you know, even yeah.
1: yes, we see. Uh, now because uh, you have a huge audience, I think this is a real life situation, and and uh, people they're watching this, uh, uh, Monica and I didn't rehearse anything of this. This is really something that happened. So, here I am, pro bodybuilder and a coach, and I'm seeing a wonderful fitness competitor that's just uh, dying, dieting, training so hard, everything, and, and I'm realizing. Ooh, she's kind of overdoing it. She's uh, having uh, way too little calories. And, uh, you know, so I, I gave my advice, you know, would you like to, uh, you know, come to my house, sit down and talk? And then I tried to explain to her like, listen, with uh, your basic metabolic rate, just your your height, weight, age, gender, right? We can determine what is your physiological need of the body. And mm-hmm. then caloric requirement for that, just for your heart to, to, to work and lungs, to breathe and skin to thermoregulate any physiological activity costs calories. And then I say, Monica, then you have an hour of rollerblading, biking, of gymnastics, out of training, you know, this is crazy out of cardio. So the, the way I calculated, it was like minimum requirement was like about 2,500 calories. Mm-hmm. Now, how can you convince, convince somebody? to double up the calories from 1300 to, to 26, right? Uh, this is probably what you also have on hand when you're talking to your clients, right? Uh, the notion is the less I eat the better, the less I eat the better, right? So more suffering and with these kind of things, especially with so many physical activities, you're gonna force your body to shut down the metabolism to survive. And then more activity is actually not beneficial it's detrimental and less of the calories. Again, not beneficial, but uh, detrimental. So I do know, I don't know if you remember the moment, but when I told you I want 2,500 calories, you start crying. I said, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I I told you, you know, to raise the protein to 250 cal- uh, grams per, per day, which is uh, that's like only 1,000 calories. So the, the whole conversation and, uh, you probably don't remember, there was uh, Italian bodybuilder, Mauro Sassi, he's also now a very famous uh, coach in Italy. He was there with us, uh, listening, Uh, you know. So later when you you left, he he, he felt like your pain and uh, discomfort, but uh, you were responsive. And the deal was, okay, uh, trying the same things and expecting different results is, you know, insanity, right? right? So let's try, couple of weeks until your body readjusts. And uh, sure enough, I mean, uh, if I can tell, you, I never said that publicly. Uh, before in all those photo shoots, uh, I always thought that you could have just get tad leaner and you would win every show that you ever enter. But it was always a kind of you're there, but you're just missing a little bit. And then I realized it is because you're just. Uh, shutting down your metabolism, your body is holding on to whatever little fat that it has. Mm-hmm. So, since '98, when you uh, did this, uh, uh, you started eating more, and uh, and you won that um, uh, Fitness Olympia. Congratulations, by the way, because uh, I, <laughs> I know I know that politically you didn't supposed to win, and you forced them to win. Yes? <laughs> but uh, but which is which is great accomplishment. Since then, you're always in tremendous shape. So I don't know. For me, I, I would like to also hear from you. Uh, is this something that uh, you advise others, your your clients? You know, do you do you warn them about those starvation diets and uh, and dangers?
0: You're so fun. So you're so cute. You're trying to interview me and this is about you. <laughs> but yes, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. And you were a big help for me for those two years and, um, and doing the Olympia there. And for sure, I remember coming to your home and sitting there and thinking about all that food like, how am I going to get that in? And yeah, cause then the gym, gym, with the gymnastics on top of it, right. It was just so much output and um, for sure. So yeah, I, it was a learning lesson for me, no doubt. And it definitely worked, right, with all that. So, you know, the thing I think what I try to do, and I'm going to just say this, and then I want to get back to talking about you. you.
1: Um,
0: but I think what I've really tried to learn is when I, work, when I work with people is what is their goal? And for me, I don't always have somebody that's getting on stage. So yes, I want them to be eating enough um, calories, but I try to alternate the days so that maybe one day they're doing some more fasting and maybe one day they're eating more higher fats and, and uh, fibrous carbs. And then one day they have like a more meals um, just because I want to kind of keep the body guessing and not all of my clients nowadays have big aspirations to be on stage. And so, you know, and yeah. some of it's just kind of overwhelming to eat so much, right? Uh, So I really try to figure out what is the goal for the person and then try to tailor the nutrition around their goals. And that's but you're right. They have people have to eat. And I know that you were a big part of teaching me about that. So (laughs) so here we go with your nickname as the mind. And right off the bat, you're like you're wanting to know all of this stuff and and, and be able to talk about the mind because. It was something that had to the mind had to change, right? I had to have a I had yeah. to have a paradigm shift in order to make that happen. And then I remember the '98 Olympia prep. I remember just like cleaning off my schedule. I wasn't dating anybody. I was just like so selfish of my time. Like if it didn't fit in my time, I wasn't gonna do it. Right. I went to bed. I think at 8:30 or 9 o'clock every night. Um, I didn't have any exceptions like, you know, I was just really, really strict and all of you know, everything ended up working Well, I remember like, okay, I remember people asked me to do stuff and I was like, Nope, I've got to be in bed and I got to get up and this is my schedule. And if it doesn't fit in my schedule, then it's not happening. So, you know, combination with all of that and with good advice and um, plenty of food, like you said, yeah. <laughs> I
1: I think that's what it takes at uh, 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 that level. I mean, you're, you're at the highest level. You're a Miss Olympia Fitness Champion. Like you said, there were no compromises. Mm-hmm. People do not understand. Yeah, some lucky, you know, with great genetics and, uh, you know, uh, they can maybe even cheat on a diet and still get away with it. It's not exactly the same. You maximize, right? It's not uh, uh, minimal or optimal. When we are talking about uh, championship mentality and doing something to win your contest, there was no compromises. Like I said, you didn't put in the mouth anything that didn't belong there. You went to bed at a certain time because your body needed a rest. So everything everything was uh, catered to your Olympia preparation. You call it selfish, but that's not selfish. This is a requirement. That's uh, the champion uh, quality to uh, actually determine that the selfishness in this situation is not the bad thing it is actually needed
0: i want to bring that up because i was just listening to somebody else in the industry who competed uh, on Mm. a national level she never was at the tops um and i just you know heard her i kind of heard her part of her interview and she was talking about you know it's such a this is such a selfish sport and all of this and i and i i always hated that saying because like you, you know at at, like you're saying at that elite level it's not selfish this is your job this is your career this is what you've worked so many years for and to say well it's selfish it's like well it has i mean it's about this goal and then you put a team together usually i mean you you know at the top you always have a team and the team comes together for one purpose right to excel that person to the very top so they can all be part of that team and I was you know I heard this recently and I've heard it so many times in the past from people saying oh it's a selfish you know meaning other competitors who say that not just somebody on the outside and I'm like well I don't I've never said that I mean I've said yeah it it takes a lot of discipline dedication and sacrifice so what what, what do you say right what do you say to that kind of mentality And maybe that's because it's coming from someone who's never competed at the top for yeah. that to be part of their income.
1: Yes, uh, you know, so they don't understand this. You know, for higher goals, you need the higher sacrifices. And while a, a, a average person is looking at this uh, sacrifice, you know, that's our obsession and our work ethics. I mean, you can go to the football team now, uh, Super Bowl champs, Rams, right? And tell them, hey, you know, guys, let's uh, skip the practice today. Let's go to the bar. Let's uh, have a weekend off they had to train they had to do specifics right to you know reach that level uh, we are in individual sport and it's uh extreme I mean what you did uh, monica these uh, fitness routines uh, gymnastic level that uh, you know exceeds what normal person can do it so it's uh, not just uh, uh, performance you have to look certain way and uh, to look extremely like, with it, I mean uh, people don't understand that's uh 24 hours a day, 365 days a year job, we can slip off the diet for a day or two, a week, a month, you know, and then lose uh, our muscle tone and shape and accumulate some body fat that uh, later we're going to have a trouble uh, getting off. So it is about that mentality. Uh, you want, you can, you will, you must. Okay. Once you have that, OK, I must do what it is. And if I have to slip up the road, you know, I'm not doing my job get back on the road. I must do wake up in the morning, do my cardio, eat my meals, train, practice routine, do choreography, whatever, you know, mentally being ready to you know, have that great st- stage presence and, uh, and uh, attract the audience, attract the, the judges and be the chosen one and uh, you out of you know many people that tried actually succeeded i competed as you mentioned 72 times as a pro qualified for olympia 10 times but i didn't reach your level i never won olympia title so it's still for me that kind of wonder it's not like i didn't do anything that it takes to win but uh, it's it's just the chosen few that can actually go all the way i had my higher goals and it was maximizing everything uh but uh, the, at this level you know when there's uh 15 great competitors somebody has to win and somebody has to be 15. and uh <laughs> you know that's how it is you see people don't they, they they just remember the champions but there's a lot of us that never won that actually have a oh, good career no. and uh yeah
0: well yeah. i only won you know one big one show big. i guess the Jantana 95 that's kind of what helped. And then I won the Olympia. And then after that, I didn't win for 12 years until I moved to organizations, but let's not talking about that. I want to kind of go back. Cause I mean, obviously you have a tremendous physique. You've had a tremendous physique. You've got a great look and, and people loved you and you were great on stage. Like there were so many um, attributes about you, even if you didn't win the Olympia, like you look, I mean, you look like you should have. And You came across like you were winning everything and, you know, you had tons of magazine exposure. And so I want to know, like, how did you grow up? Because I always like to kind of dive into where you grew up and what was your history? What were your influences growing up that created, you know, the drive to do bodybuilding?
1: Yes, Uh, I was born in Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia in the part uh, of Yugoslavia it's called Serbia, right? That's uh, Mm -hmm. 1964. So uh, I'm 58 years old. And ever since I was a kid in academic family, my, my parents were doctors, my father was not a psychiatrist, right? So he would, from early age, you know, try to teach me right things and then uh, you know, to use my mind to believe in myself and then to be physically active. So he wanted me to try martial arts, to be you know, disciplined, karate, judo, and then obviously soccer and basketball that every Serbian uh, kid is playing. But uh, uh, while I was in judo, I do remember uh, there was somebody with a bodybuilding magazine. And uh, you got to understand that's 1960s and 70s, mm-hmm. uh, so long ago. Nobody looked like a bodybuilder, especially not in my country. And I remember looking at the magazine, I'd seen Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Sergio Leva, Sergio Nobrelu, Ferino, Frank Zinn. It's like, oh my God, that was like, human body can look like this i mean it was instant shocker and oh hold on a second so we all can look like this if you do something right it was instant that breakthrough for me oh man and i speak this for all the men even though some people are not gonna uh, admit it if you have a choice to be skinny undeveloped fat you know the you know out of shape or muscular any of us that would say anything, but we would want to be muscular, align. Okay, maybe not at the level of pro bodybuilder, but we would like to have a muscular physique because that exemplifies, you know, manhood and uh, strength and uh, power, you know, something that uh, every man should be, right? And then I don't know how about the woman, but back in Serbia and, uh, at that time, like, oh no, no, woman would not like muscular man. and. I said, well, they, they maybe didn't like back in the day because there were none uh, around. So uh, I understand that uh, there is different levels of attractions, but uh, just like men would like to be in shape and we like to see women in shape, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're in the same field. I would hope that this goes vice versa, that you know, there is certainly uh, a level of attractiveness from female size to the muscular man, right? And even uh, the, the the just the standpoint of, oh, this gentleman is disciplined. He works hard to achieve that. So that uh, gives you a picture of his character as well, right? So th- this is how I started. And of course, when you start, you, you don't have a high aspirations, like I'm gonna go to America and win Mr. Universe or be a Miss Olympia. It was just like, I wanna look like that. And then when <laughs> I, yeah, when oh. I start- achieving this right then your aspirations grew and say okay you know I want to win Yugoslavian championship then I want to win European and go to Miss Universe but uh, there was a moment really when um, um, I read that book um, by Napoleon Hill think and grow rich uh, mm-hmm. I, I know there was uh, that moment So you have to define exactly what you want how you want it when you want it and you know so I still have that uh, journal. I remember in, in uh, 1987 when I was leaving the United States, I wrote my goals. I'm going to come to the United States. I'm going to compete in Mr. universe. I'm going to win Mr. universe. I'm going to uh, turn to be professional. I'm going to qualify for Mr. Olympia and I'm going to uh, make a living off of a bodybuilding five year goal. And that was Five-year goal that uh, was set in stone. And uh, I mean, a uh, little difficulties, right? I didn't speak English. I didn't know nobody in the United States. I wanted to come, so uh, I didn't have any money. Uh, so fortunately, I went to uh, uh, Italy to compete in uh, European Championship in uh, this WBF Federation. I didn't expect much, but uh, I played second and the president of the Federation gave me invitation from Mr. Universe in Tucson, Arizona. I said, oh, this is great, but how am I going to get there? But uh, let me see, so I went to the embassy and I asked for a, a visa and I got the visa. And now I said, well, now I have a visa, but how am I going to get the money to to fly all the way there? You know, I wa- wasn't going to get the money from my parents, of course, so I had to make like over $1,000, which hmm. at that time in Serbia was, probably equivalent like like a hundred grand here. Like this uh, would be the thing. Wow. But, but I, I did then did some commercials, advertisements with some guest posing and some shows. And anyway, I, I made uh, just enough money to buy a ticket. Now, the problem was that uh, my father, uh, now a psychiatrist, did not want me to leave the country until I got my diploma. I was in University of Nutritional Technology, and I I didn't finish, so he wouldn't even discuss with me that I can leave before I I, I graduate, but uh, I knew that, uh, okay, this opportunity comes once in life, and uh, I got the visa, so now it's only about getting the the, uh, plane ticket. So after I got the plane ticket, that's when I informed my parents, like, oh, I have a desire to represent my country in a stimulus contest in Arizona, I'm gonna go to this contest. And then they start like laughing, you're not going anywhere. You're supposed to study. There is a few exams that you have to pass. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I told them like, well, here is my visa and here is my ticket. And Monday I'm leaving. You know, so that that didn't go well with them, but my father really thought that, okay, I'm gonna go compete and come back next week. But uh, I already made the plan that this is it. uh, I'm going to pursue my career like Arnold Schwarzenegger went from Austria to California. Right. I knew that in order to really uh, make it big, you have to be in the US. Now, uh, if I can just touch the subject at that time, of course, I was uh, just competing natural (laughs) because uh, for me that there was no knowledge or anything else. and. Anyway, when I went to the, the you know, competitions, I realized that, yeah, well, at this level, if I want to reach the top Olympia level, I, I might have to do what all the big boys do. And that's, I know, not touch the subject, but uh, uh, after I made that uh, decision, I will do it. I accomplished all those five-year goals. I won Mr. Universe 89. I became um, 91 IBB professional, competed Olympia same year. In 92, I, I got the Joe Wither contract, which uh, allowed me to stay and, and uh, make a living off of bodybuilding. So mm-hmm. just to say, uh, you know, because the point of that is I was a little boy from a socialistic, communistic country, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody taught me, of, oh, you can do this, you can do that. Right. But uh, that goal and vision was so strong that I never, suspected I'm not going to, it was not like if I'm going to, that was a goal. I'm going to reach it and I I would have to do whatever it takes. But keep in mind, I had a $428 and 10 cents in my pocket coming to America. And, uh, you see in Europe, European championship promoter paid for my hotel, right? So I kind of thought it's the same federation president invited me, they're going to pay for my hotel. But, uh, as I didn't speak English, right? The next thing you know, they're charging me 200 something dollars. He's like, oh, my God. Now I have a half of my money, right? <laughs> and uh, I had to go to San Diego because I did meet and actually some girls from San Diego. And so I was, you know, <laughs> uh, come visit them. Um, I, I would, if anybody is watching. There was Lisa Baker and Tressa Moses. I mean, those two girls are really instrumental helping me. Uh, I never really mentioned them in any interviews, and they probably don't watch this. But those those two ladies really helped me because when I got here, they they gave me a place to stay. And, were uh, they were they bodybuilders? No, no, they were just uh, regular, yeah, girls. But, regular. Uh, very kind. I mean, uh, yeah, when I said this, they were not fitness. Uh, okay. Related, they were not in this. is just very kind of girls. And uh, you know that's how in life you run into the angels and you, you know, mm-hmm. other kind of people. And uh, these two were really uh, instrumental for me to get the job. I mean, I had to get the job. I didn't speak English, so how am I going to get the job? <laughs> but I had, a, you know, a physique. I was Miss University like twenty-three years all the time, somewhat better looking. So you know. Yeah, you know, yeah, the man, the manager in the gym over there. She she was a, a kind of lady that she would ask the question and not, don't let you answer it. And know, all, all I had to do is say yes, yes, yes. So by the end of the interview, uh, Lisa was uh, with me. When I left the gym, she said, "Okay, you got the job. Monday you start training." And that was Jack uh, gym. So I uh, had a
0: wait, 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 wait. That's Jack LaLanne's gym.
1: Yeah, that was uh, one, of, one of his gyms, yeah. That, that was, okay, uh, that's
0: pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. But,
1: but just imagine situation now. And you still I don't speak to, English. I didn't speak English. You know, I knew just elemental stuff, right? You know, like, you know, Tarzan and Jane, you know, this kind of thing. But then uh, now I had a weekend, it's like, okay, if I'm going to train somebody, what I'm going to have to say, okay, push, pull, squeeze, count, you know, stuff like that. But uh, fortunately, everybody in the gym, I mean, they were kind of trying to help me out. And uh, I learned my English in a gym, you know, teaching people and I went to school for that. But I got the job and I had just enough to survive. And then, uh, you see, there's are struggles. But again, I want to say my focus was on a goal. I'm going to win that Miss Universe. So 87, I was sixth, 88, I was third and 89, I won. And then 91, I competed in uh, uh, my first pro show, uh, San Jose. Uh, pro imitation, I was third qualified for Olympia right away. And then when you win Olympia right now, you, know, you win the qualification for Olympia. Now the doors open, I get some sponsorships. and. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you also you competed quite often, but if you remember back in 90s nobody competed in all the shows. I was the only one. Whatever was organized I was I was competing. I mean I was in shape uh, year round that's how we actually did so many photo shoots because if you remember many times that just Alex Dannti or, or photographer would say, are you guys in shape? Okay let's meet Malibu Beach right and, right. Uh, and that that's how it was
0: right. Right. I mean, it was just all these uh, handful of freelance photographers that yeah, were yeah. running the show with all the photos until, you know, except for Muscle Fitness, they had their own crew, but um, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was like, just like that. They'd call you up, hey, let's shoot. <laughs> okay. <Yeah.
1: laughs> uh, and I mean, you were super, super popular. I mean, uh, I can get, get to this inside scoop. I mean, you know, everybody was, oh my God, Monica, I So every time I would have a photo shoot video, I would get like you know 20 phone calls ah. <laughs> you know let's <laughs> say so come on you guys we had a you know utmost respect and great relationship you and i i mean we did uh appearances uh, around the world we did in canada and everything uh we worked a lot together yeah, so it was always fun so you kind of disappeared right and uh, uh i was always wondering uh, how you are and then Every time they will see, like, look at her, she's in identical shape just mm-hmm. like 30 years ago. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I commend you for it. I mean, you're an inspiration for so many ladies.
0: Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Again, you're turning this around to me. This is about you. <laughs> hi everyone monica here just wanted to thank you so much for watching the monica brand show and don't forget to subscribe uh like share these videos and oh yeah and that little bell notification don't forget to click that so you'll get more great content every time there's a show uploaded or a video or anything else so you guys thank you so much for your support and as always fit it love